0: hallelujah oh it is a good day to be in the house of the Lord for this is the day that the Lord has made and I don't know about you but I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day that the Lord has made and we're going to rejoice and be glad in it. Welcome, amen. Welcome again to the Hope World Experience. Those that are online, those that are viewing, uh, th- those that are viewing online and those that are in person, we thank God for you being with us on today. If you're watching online, if you have not already, go ahead and share this. Oh man, if you haven't shared it, you don't had a whole crew of folks that have missed out on an amazing move of God. So make sure you share this tag somebody else in him so they can be a part of this dynamic worship experience. Those online and in person, can you all help me celebrate our music ministry? Amen. Our musicians, I pray, sing. Oh, my goodness. Man, and what can we say about our guest worship leader today, Minister Sheree Ali. Help me praise God for this vessel, this woman of God. I tell you, Sister Minister, you had one more time to holler. And I was going to take off. You, you had one more time, and it was going to be on and popping. It was going to be popping like popcorn. If you hollered one more time, you were on edge, and I was ready, but you didn't holler. Amen. But we thank God. We thank God for her. Amen. We thank God Thank God for her once again. Let me get myself together. My words is jumbling up. I thank God our church mothers are in the house this morning. Mother Albritton, Mother Henry, Mama Lou, Mother Mac. Help me thank God for our church mothers. I tell you, I thank God for these amazing women. Amen. I was telling somebody earlier, every week it's like a treat because I don't know who's going to be here. Amen. I just be so glad and so excited to see all of the faces. Thank God our elders and ministers are in the house. Minister Lynn, Elder James, Elder Corey. Come on, help me praise God for them as well. Amen. Deacon Baker said, here. Help me praise God for our Deacon. Amen. 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 We're getting ready to get to the word, but listen, I would be remiss if I did not on behalf of my wife and the swim sisters. Thank you all so much for an amazing 10-year anniversary surprise. Amen. I'm telling you, I didn't know what was going on. Carrie just kept walking around telling me happy anniversary, going to the door. I didn't know what was going on. And normally she spilled the beans, but she kept this real good until it was up until the moment. So thank you all so much because I realize folks ain't got to do nothing for you. Uh, but when people give, especially give of their resources, nobody has to do that in so I thank you. I thank you. It has been an amazing journey, and we still got some more running to go. Praise God. We still got some more to go. Amen. But listen, I told you this on the video, and I'm going to say it again. I could not do what I do if it was not for an amazing woman by my side by the name of Brittany Kent Cawthon Swims. Can you all help me celebrate our first lady? Amen. I could not do. She's very supportive. She never gets in the way when it comes to ministry. She's always pushing me to be able to go forward, to do all the God has called for us to do, for me to do. And I could not do it, could not do it, could not do it. When the load gets heavy and feel like nobody else is there, I know I got Jesus and Sister Swims. Amen. So help me praise God again for our amazing First Lady. Amen. I thank God for Thank God for Thank God for Listen, let's get to the word. Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. We're going to finish our series today. Yes, we are. We're going to finish this thing today. Amen. And our series entitled Finding Comfort. And community. We're back in Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. Amen. Verse 15 through 17. If you could stand uh, for the reading and the reverence of God's word. Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 through 17. Amen. Those that are able to, let us stand if you can. Amen. If you can't, no biggie. Amen. God still loves you. Amen. Matthew 18. Amen. I thank God for our admin team, our media team, our ushers, our parking lot team. Um, They make all of this possible, and I thank God for them. I really do. Could not do it without a great team. Matthew 18, 15 through 17. It reads like this from the New Living Translation of the Bible. If another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense if the other person listens and confesses you have won that person back but if you are unsuccessful take one or two others with you and go back again so that everything you say can be confirmed by two or three witnesses if the person still refuses to listen take your case to the church and then he or she won't then if she if he or she won't accept the church's decision treat that person as a pagan or a corrupt tax collector god we thank you for your word We thank you for the strength and the power of your word. So we pray now that in this time, oh God, that your word will be fresh, that your word will be made fresh, oh God. That it will not fall on deaf ears, but that it will fall on ears that are ready to apply your word to our lives, that we may be better. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And all of God's people said, amen. 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 Just reach over. Well, you can't reach over. My bad. Just look over and just walk onto somebody and just give them a hello, a wave or something, A, a air hug. Amen. I know times are different. Amen. But we got to do what we got to do. Amen. Amen. So we're wrapping up our series entitled restoring one another man God has done something over these past seven weeks because what started off as just as the series helped us back in March to launch our small groups has developed into something else that I believe that has been helping us to be able um, to get better when it comes to relationships and building community with each other I said this seven weeks ago I'm going to say it again today and you will probably hear me say it a whole lot it was never meant for you and I to do this thing called life as believers of Jesus Christ by ourselves it was never meant for us to be long-ranger Christians and to be in isolation but for us to be able to thrive in community because it is sometimes it is sometimes what can end up happening we can die in isolation when we're battling things all by ourselves and trying to handle the load of life by ourselves because we're so private and we don't want to let anybody else in and let me help you out real quick don't allow because one person two people, three people hurt you in the past to cause you to miss out on some amazing relationships because one person told on you because one person exposed yourself because one person told all your business and betrayed you and was this loyal towards you. Let me tell you something. The good news is God will send people in your life that can show you what real friendship is like. God will send real people in your life that will be a Jonathan. You all know the story about David and Jonathan. Saul was Saul was Jonathan's father. Father, and he was always trying to take David's life. But even in the midst of that, even in the midst of that, there was a kindred spirit. There was a there was a solid relationship between David and Jonathan. That Jonathan was loyal to David all the way till the end. Get this you all. This is what trips me out about the relationship is that according to hierarchy, after Saul was done being king, Jonathan should have been the next one. But he recognized that the oil, the hand of God, was on David's life elder james and he was not jealous he was not in competition he realized they see what god was doing and he stood out the way to allow god to be great in david's life it is possible for god to send you some saved friends who are not in competition with you but will celebrate your successes will celebrate what god is doing in your life and they will be able to recognize the hand of god on your life mama lou and mother mac and not be jealous Oh, it was meant for us to have thriving relationship. It was meant for us to be in thriving community, and that's why it's so important. I know we've been in this virtual sanctuary for a long time now. We had no idea it was going to be a whole year. Thank God that we're back to in-person worship in some shape or form, but get this. That's why it's important to have a church home. I know, I know, I know. Oh, I don't know about that. I don't want to have no church home. Oh, it ain't nothing but a whole bunch of hypocrites in there. Oh, I don't want to deal with church people I've been around them all my life. But let me tell you something. There is nothing like when you're going through hell in your life and you got a church family that can stand behind you. There is nothing like when you're going through and you got somebody say you just dropped in my spirit. And they call you. They text you. They do, they do a drive-out. We can't go to folks' houses like we used to unless you've been vaccinated. Amen. All the way. Both shots. Amen. Unless if you have not been there, we're doing ding-dong-dish. We just press the buttons and running back to the car and said hello right there from the parking lot. But there is something amazing. Amazing about having a, about having a group of people that will stand with you when you're celebrating life's victory, and that can stand with you when you're celebrating life's losses. It's good to have community. It's biblically right to have community. A songwriter back in the day said it right: We all gonna need somebody to lean on. Oh, we don't know when, we don't know when, we don't know when, we don't know what's going to jump off in our life, but we're going to all need somebody to be able to lean on. But here's the thing, here's the thing. Whenever you get a group of people together, it could be two, it could be three, it can be one and a half, it makes no difference. But whenever you get a group of people together, there's going to be some form of conflict that's going to happen. It's just just the nature, it's going to happen, it's going to happen. So I said this last week, I'm going to say it again. So because we know the conflict is going to happen, thank God, thank God that Jesus has already given us, given us his word to help us in how to be able to approach conflict. Because get this, all conflict is not bad conflict. Sometimes the reason it gets bad is because we have people who are not all the way spiritually mature and they still have a level of pettiness in them that God has not delivered them from all the way. And when you get petty caught up in it, and involved in the situation, it can turn things around and and make matters worse than what they really need to be. And because we know that we're going to have conflict and because we know that someone may wrong us, someone may sin against us, God has given us his word to help us how to be able to navigate through seasons like that. That's why he gave us Matthew chapter 18, 15 through 17. But if a brother or sister sins against you, here are the steps you and I are to take, not just approval prove a point to make us right, but to be able but to be able to, to, to uh, gang that brother back, that sister back and to be able to restore mm-hmm. the relationship. Mm-hmm. Jesus tells us that your first step, we talked about this last week, just kind of recapping real quick, that your first step, that if a brother or sister sins against you, if another believer sins against you, that you are to go to them privately and directly to be able to address what the situation is. Why am I going to them privately, Pastor? Why am I going to them directly? Because in most times, it could be a matter of miscommunication. I could have had a day. My goodness, I could have had a day, and you might have been waving at me at Walmart, or saw me at Kroger, saw me at Snooks, or something and waved at me. And listen, if you're like me, I don't recognize nobody with the mask anymore. I'm trying to figure out, trying to look at the eyes. Are they mean mugging me? Are they smiling? Did they just give me the finger? I don't know what's going on. I'm trying to figure out who they are. So I just randomly wave at people care because I have no idea who they are. I just wave at them. Hey, Pastor, hey, how you doing? I'm doing good. How's your mama doing? I don't even know who their mama is. How's your mama doing? They doing great. Tell them I said hello. Oh, no. Don't know who nobody is at all. But when it comes, I forget my whole point of even saying that, Lord. Why did I even say that? I don't forget. Let me get back on track, Lord. I'm trying to. That's why I slowed down. I'm trying to be. What was I getting with this? I don't even know why I said that. But we gonna keep the train moving. Amen. Amen. And so, because we need, we need, we know that we're gonna have issues. We know the things are going to arise. Now I know it could be a matter of miscommunication, and I go to them directly. I go, I go to them privately because we may be able to fix the matter up before it gets exposed on Facebook. And told to other people what on your side and you didn't share what you did to cause them to respond the way that they did. So he says go to them directly go to them privately so that you can be able to handle the matter why. He says if the other person listens and confesses you you have won that person back. That's the whole game. The whole idea. The whole idea is to be able to restore the fallen. It is not meant for the fallen to stay down forever. It is meant for us as believers, as mature believers to be able to restore our brother or sister back and to be able to keep the relationship intact. I said this last week and I'm going to say it again, it's going to be on the screens. Discipline when done right is a form of love. Even if I have to come and check you, even if I have to come and pull your coattail, I can be able to correct you and, and, and I can be able to correct you and do it in love. I don't have to be mean. I don't have to be harsh. Here it is. I know we've had some, some of us may have had some bad experiences when it comes to church discipline. That you've had some pastors, you've had some people that have literally abused that whole thing called church, church discipline to be able to make themselves look more holier than you or to make themselves look better than you. No, that's absolutely wrong. And I'm so sorry that you may have experienced that. But the truth of the matter is that discipline when done right is a form of love. Jesus says, God says that I discipline those. I'm paraphrasing. I chastise those that belong to me. That if he doesn't correct us, if he doesn't discipline us, that means that we're bastard children ain't got no daddy. And so discipline, when done right, is a form of love. The goal is always to restore the fallen, to be able to put them back in order to make it whole and to make them useful again, to make them useful again, to make them useful again. That's the whole point. That's the whole point of the matter um, for us to do is to be able to get them back on track, get them back on track, and to be able to get them back in their rightful place of how God can be able to do in their lives what is necessary to be done. Here it is, here it is, here it is. Jesus says that's the first step. We stopped right there before we got to the second step. But I ended last week with this question. Is this really an offense or are your insecurities being revealed? Has your brother or sister really sinned against you? Have they really wronged you? Or are you just super sensitive? And this is an avenue that God is using to be able to grow you and mature you by revealing your hidden insecurities so that you can be made whole. Because the truth of the matter is this. We can't be offended by everything. Everything, Brother Victor, that is done towards us should... Everything that's done towards us, we should not immediately relate it to a sin or a conflict. Some things we have to pick and choose. Okay, okay, am I going to put this under blood? Am I going to confront this thing? Am I going to deal with it? Am I going to address it? Or am I going to give this over to Jesus for him to be able um, to work it out? Or asking ourselves to really grow and mature. Is this really an offense or are my insecurities being revealed? Am I really mad that they didn't speak to me, or do I have a need for validation? Hmm. Come on. Am I really, ups- am I really upset? Am I really upset that they expose some stuff about me prematurely, or is God, is God letting me know that you reap what you sow, that you have somebody to expose you because you can't keep your mouth shut for nothing? Is there something that he may be trying to bring up in us so that he can be able to t- so that he can be able to sanctify us and to make some changes in our lives to help us to be able to grow better and to mature disciples? Step one: get the brother, get the sister, go to them privately, go to them directly. Here it is, step two. Let me hurry up. Let me hurry up. Here it is, step two. He says this: look at what Jesus says. Verse 16, but if you are unsuccessful, take one or two others with you and go back again for the, so that everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. So Jesus says, okay, if you went to them privately, you went to them directly, they didn't confess, they didn't admit, they feel like they have done no wrong even though you put it out there in their face. They're, they're, they're not repentive. Jesus says, "Okay, now go. Get one or two, three other witnesses, and go back to the individual that has offended you, that has sinned against you, and address the matter again." Let me help us before we get to the second step. You don't go to the step two. Until you've dealt with step one. You don't get other people involved. Until you have dealt with them privately and directly, because here it is, here it is, it may hurt a little bit. When I go to step two, Mother Henry, and never deal with step one, I'm just trying to get somebody in trouble. I'm trying to tell on somebody to get them in trouble. I don't care about restoring a relationship, Minister Lynn. I don't care about trying to win a brother over Elder James. I'm trying to get this joker in trouble for what they have done towards me, and they are caught off guard because here it is. You text me and say you want to meet with me. I come meet up with you in the midst of a pandemic, and you have the audacity to have three or four other jokers there with you, and I'm blindsided, caught off guard. Now I feel like I've been pulled into a situation, Jessica, and now I am being bullied by the saints. Because you ain't never came to me and said that you had an issue. You never came to me and tried to fix this thing up. You immediately went and grabbed other people and told them everything Sandra and got them in the loop. And so now what has happened, I've gained a team against you because I got folks on my side, and we're going to come and get you corrected in Jesus' name today. But we've dealt with the matter immaturely because I never came to you first. I never came to you directly. I never came to you. I never came to you directly. And I never, I never, I never addressed what the matter was with you. I just immediately went and got other people involved because I could care less about our relationship. I'm just trying to get you in trouble. handle sister and that when a brother or a sister sins against us will reveal our spiritual maturity or the lack thereof. Right. because when I'm really mature when I'm really striving to be mature mama Lou and to handle this the way that God would want me to and to be able to do this as pleasing in the eyes of God I am going I will be convicted by the Holy Spirit no don't you do, don't you don't you tell nobody else that so you go to them I know that sounds real old school when you talk about conviction, but the Holy Spirit would just start dealing with you. Don't you? Don't you say Don't you send that text? Don't you send that email? Don't you call nobody until you go to them directly? Don't you know the Holy Spirit is there to be our helper, not just to make you shout, not just to make you feel good, but He's there to be our helper to lead us in doing what pleases God. Why our flesh and our spirit are always in conflict with each other. Paul told us that that in Galatians, it's always in conflict with each other. So, 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 I got to make sure that I don't skip the step two before going to to step one. That I deal with them directly. I deal with them. I deal with them directly. I address them. I go to them and I deal with it. And then if nothing happens with that, then I get other believers. Notice notice what I said. Other believers involved. And let me add something else to that. Mature believers involved. I already know. Something jump off. The first person. Just because out of their love for me. I gotta make sure that I don't let Sister Swims know. Like she over there in that mass talking about show enough, show enough. Because she gonna be She's going to be ready to lay hands and pray. God helps them recover a few days later on. Mother. I that's what she's going to do. So I have to make sure I got to make sure. That whatever, what other mature believers that I involved in the situation, that they are level-minded mature believers, that they have a cool demeanor type of mature believer, that I can bring them in and get this. If I'm wrong, they will call me on my stuff, and they will begin to see this thing and to assess the situation just as God can see it and assess it. So what's the purpose of adding, bringing in two people? Because just to make sure this ain't some petty stuff just to make sure that there's some that there's there's some legitimacy to this situation and to help to figure out how are we're going to solve this thing and to bring about uh, reconciliation and restoration that's the purpose Bringing other people in, it may not be a good idea when you're getting ready to address somebody and and, and because you went to them privately and you went to them directly and they didn't receive you well, Brother Lily, that I just don't go and get my BFF. No, they may take my side. I need somebody that's going to be on the Lord's side and to be able to see this thing from the perspective of him. And not just because we cool, no, 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 no. I need you, if I'm wrong, call me on the carpet. If I didn't do right, call me on the carpet. If I tiptoed and lied just a little bit, call me on the carpet, so that this relationship, so that spiritual maturity can be able to be birthed from this situation and we can walk away knowing that we have pleased the master in all that we've done. Only getting them involved. When I've gone to you directly, I've gone to you privately and you didn't confess, you didn't repent, you didn't see the error of your ways. I get others involved to help see this thing the way that God sees it. The truth of the matter is this. Are we mature enough for someone to pull us and involve us in their situation and to seriously begin to examine and to assist the situation mm-hmm. from the perspective of God's word and not our personal feelings. Right. Yeah. Are we mature enough that before it even gets to the church that there are mature saints in the house of God that can be able to be called on to help yeah. rectify the situation? Can people see the fruit of the Spirit evident in your life? Can people see a consistent relationship, a thriving relationship with Christ in your life? Mm -hmm. If we're going to handle conflict, and if I can't get it done with just you and I, minister, Cherie, there ought to be some mature believers around that I can be able to get involved. Thank God for church mothers. Thank God for deacons. Mm-hmm. They can help step in and be able to bring what God has to say and what God thinks about it mm-hmm. to help rectify the situation. He says, goes on, I'm, right, I'm almost done. Praise God. Look at we're going to get out on time and had a good long worship, amen, but we're going to get out on time. Look at God. Look at this, what he says. Verse 17, if the person still refuses to listen, take your case to the church. Then he or she won't be accepted. Then if he or she don't accept the church's decision, treat that person as a pagan or corrupt tax collector. Here it is. Step three, if I'm going to restore another believer, If if I've gone to them privately, I've gone to them directly. Nothing happened. If I've got other mature believers involved and nothing has happened, here's our third and last step. I need to address it publicly. And I'm, when I say public, I'm not talking about put it out there on social media. When I say publicly now, I am getting the church involved. Now the pastor gets involved. Now church leadership is getting involved. Now to make a decision on what the next step needs to be. Our prayer should be that we never have to excommunicate anybody from the family of faith, but always restoration always an avenue where we can be able to deal with this and handle it between us before we get other believers involved before we even get um, uh, that we can maybe handle it between you and us before we even get other believers involved and then lead us to have to get the church involved no it should be that we are striving to do this thing so that God is honored in what we are doing so that God is pleased by what we are doing and that we are displaying long suffering and patience and the fruit of the spirituality each other, and that nobody ever has to be excommunicated out. But if a brother or sister, even after steps one and two, still unrepentive, still won't confess, still won't even recognize their wrong, and continuing in their sin. I bring it to the church and if they still won't accept what needs to be done, the only option then is to excommunicate them from the body of Christ. And we witness and evangelize to them as if they have never known Jesus Christ before in their life. And we pray that their hearts be pricked and convicted And then be added back to the family of faith. Oh, Pastor, well, that sounds so harsh. But it has to be done at certain times. Because tough love sometimes is necessary. And it sets an example for others to be able to see. This is the love of God expressed. And this is God's word and how he desires for us to be able to handle situations. He says, look, Jesus even goes on to say, listen, you treat that person as a pagan. <laughs> they worship other gods or a corrupt tax collector. They cheating people out of their money. He said, this is how you deal with them. But yet still we have the prayer and the hope that they will repent so that they can be restored back to the family of faith. I thank God that even in the midst of church discipline, he still extends grace, mother. He still extends mercy, but that comes to a certain point that you and I have to make a decision. Am I going to continue in this cycle of sin Or am I going to accept the tough love that the body of Christ is displaying to me, not to hurt me, not to harm me, but to help me to be able to grow and mature? Discipline when it's done right is a form of love. Even if it's tough love that we ain't really too comfortable with. But when it's done in love, when it's administered in love, Even when you've sinned, even when you've fallen, that you have people that will come alongside of you and walk with you through the process. Showing and demonstrating what the fruit of the Spirit is, live and in action. Then we've shown the world what the church is. And how the church operates based off of God's word. Well, Pastor, how do, I, how do I make this make sense in my life? Here it is. Before you do anything, check your motives. Check your heart. Why am I going to them directly and privately? Why am I getting other people involved? Why am I going to the church? Why am I getting the, pastors, the pastor and church leadership involved now? Be sure that whether it's step one, two, or three, be sure that you want your brother or sister to be restored and you're not just trying to prove a point. Well, I want them to feel my wrath. No, make sure, because if that's the case, your motive is already wrong. It's off. Check your heart. Are you trying to get somebody restored or are you trying to get somebody in trouble? That cracks me up when grown folks try to get other grown folks in trouble. We're grown folks. Most bad that you know, what you want me to do? They ain't my kid. I got two girls. They ain't my kids. Do you desire for them to be restored? Or are you trying to prove a point? When a brother or sister has sinned against us or a brother or sister has fallen into sin, we should never glory in them falling. We should never be excited or magnified that a brother or sister has fallen into sin. Our heart should break And we should ask of God, God, am I a vessel that you want to use to help walk with them through restoration? That they may be restored back. People should know that there is comfort in community that it's a safe place here that I can be able to run to, that I can be in and be all right. Nobody's going to try to expose me on purpose. Nobody's going to be sharing my prayer requests with others as if you're praying, but you really just try to find some new teeth for you to be able to spill because the last week's stuff is old now. but I have a real sincere desire to see my brother or sister restored. Ask yourself the question, Lord, if something were to jump off, something were to happen, could could I be? Can you use me to be able to help somebody else rectify a situation? Or do I have some more growing to do?